Welcome to the Health Leader Forge, a joint production between the University of New Hampshire and the Northern New England Association of Healthcare Executives. My name is Mark Bonica, and I am an assistant professor in the University of New Hampshire's Department of Health Management and Policy. Today's guest is Amy Giglio, the Chief Human Resource Officer for Dartmouth-Hitchcock Health System. The Dartmouth-Hitchcock Health System is a large health system based in New Hampshire with more than 14,000 employees. Like many executives I talked to, Amy didn't start out in the human resources field. Her undergraduate work and early career was in the field of social work. Her journey to being the chief human resource officer for the largest employer in the state of New Hampshire after the state government is interesting and the topic of the first part of the interview. We then discuss managing the human resources function for a major medical center and coordinating human resources strategy across a large system. We conclude with a conversation about leadership. And just as a note, we recorded this on site and there was a bit of background noise uh, of happy people at the beginning of the podcast, which only lasts for the first few minutes of the interview. I hope you enjoy listening to Amy's story, and if you find it valuable, won't you leave us feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you may be accessing this recording. It helps other people discover us. Thanks for listening, and here is Amy Giglio. Welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thank you for having me, Mark. You came here to Dartmouth-Hitchcock in 2010 as the Director of Benefits, Comp HR, Business Partner, and Shared Services and Recruitment, so uh, a long list of, of responsibilities. And before we kind of talk about your, your time here at Dartmouth, let's talk a little bit about Dartmouth as an organization. Where is Dartmouth-Hitchcock? What kind of organization is it? And then maybe a little bit about some of the geographic factors that, that impact the HR function here. So Dartmouth-Hitchcock is a leading health system in the state of New Hampshire. We're the second largest employer in the state of New Hampshire to actually the state um, and the state employees. Dartmouth-Hitchcock is, is a combination of an academic medical center and many ambulatory clinics uh, within our communities, and, and that geographically spans from the academic medical center that's located in Lebanon, New Hampshire, to ambulatory outpatient clinics that are really embedded in their communities in Concord, Manchester, the Nashua regions. And I say regions because there are primary care practices and other practices that are spread throughout. So it's a it's really a wide, I mean, it's got a wide geographic uh, footprint in the area. It does. And, and actually, Dartmouth-Hitchcock is um, a little bit different than Dartmouth-Hitchcock Health in that Dartmouth-Hitchcock has system member organizations, which Dartmouth-Hitchcock is a member of, where there's a compilation of hospitals and a visiting nurse and physician practices that span um, not only the state of New Hampshire, but we also have locations in Vermont as well, and really providing patient care to the, to the people of those communities in the region. Okay. Uh, so coming to Dartmouth, uh, Dartmouth-Hitchcock, you stepped into the director role in the HR department. So in your previous roles, you had been kind of, I guess the way I think of it as a service organization, sort of you were, so with Fidelity, you were, companies would outsource their services through Fidelity. So you were, you weren't in, inside the organization, right? You were sort of providing services to an organization. Uh, with the retirement system it was a little more integrated, but now you're actually step, you're actually coming inside an organization to provide services within the HR department. What was that like making that transition? Yeah, I think that's a great question because I never really thought of it 
like that in terms of being a service to an organization versus being inside. I've always sort of viewed the um, service that HR provides as a service to an individual that's within the organization. I think the biggest difference is in some of those other scenarios, I wasn't necessarily um, seen. People didn't necessarily know mm-hmm. who I was in the same way. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, you know, you get to work with colleagues and, and meet people and meet people on a personal level every day. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's probably the biggest distinction. Okay. So more in your one. example of being, yeah. you know, outsourced versus uh-huh. actually embedded, if you will. Yeah. I guess so more of a longitudinal relationship, perhaps. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Okay. So now you're coming back to a clinical environment, which is, I think is kind of neat that you started out clinical, went to more of a, uh, to a non-clinical HR function. Perhaps you had some, some clinical customers, but, and then now back to a um, clinical organization. What was it like kind of coming back to the clinical environment? I would say it's coming full circle. So I specifically looked at Dartmouth-Hitchcock and other healthcare organizations because of my experience I had when I was interning. I loved that environment. I always wanted to get back to that environment. And so when the opportunity presented itself, it was sort of serendipitous that I was able to, to, to re-enter, if you will, back into healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I felt sort of more at home. That's where I felt that the work and the mission of the organization really matters. And, you know, when you, when you get up out of work or go to work every day, get your feet on the ground, you know that you're walking into an organization that makes a true difference in a very personal way. Not to say that other organizations aren't making a difference because they are, but when you're delivering direct patient care, it's in a more intimate level. And so it was just, it, it worked out really well to be able to come back to healthcare and support the people who are taking care of individuals. And um, I think people from the state of New Hampshire, especially, and others nationally who know the name, know that exceptional patient care is delivered here every day. And so it's just, it's been a great experience. Yeah. Was it helpful to have that healthcare background coming? I mean, does it allow you to, to maybe relate more easily to some of your, uh, the employees that you're supporting? I think it does. Absolutely. I make a little joke too, because after I got my bachelor's degree, I actually went to New Hampshire Technical Institute for nursing. Because oh, really? I thought I wanted to be a nurse okay. uh, with, and a social, with my bachelor's in social work. And I ended up not following through with that. Yeah. And so in this environment, I say, you know, that I really wanted to be a nurse, but I really, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't do uh, go that path, but I had always wanted to be in healthcare. So I think that background not only helps me in this environment be more relatable, but also helps me to navigate it in a different way. Um, not to say that it can't be learned, because we certainly do hire people that have not worked in healthcare before, mm-hmm. but it is a different environment that those skills definitely helped in sort of the matriculation back into it. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine you, you have some of the vocabulary, you kind of know who these, you know, these people are right from the get-go, um, you know, the different roles you would have already been familiar with, so it would be very right. helpful Yeah, I mean, I think a hospital environment is very different than a community, like when I was in the community mental health center, but certainly from the internship and other experiences, it is, um, there's some congruence there. Sure. So you came in, you had a pretty, it sounded like you had a pretty wide portfolio coming straight in. Tell tell me a little bit. So what was the role really like? I I read off a bunch of different responsibilities that I, I picked up off your, off your resume. So tell me, like, what was it you were doing? 
So I actually, it's interesting, I came in um, as the manager of benefits. Okay. I had applied for the director role. Okay. And through the interview process, I said, well, we're hiring a manager too. I came in as the manager and with three months, I was promoted to the director role. Nice. So very kind of quick transition to that. And then we, we had a lot of different opportunities at the time. We were having some leadership changes. HR as an organization was sort of developing and growing. And so that presented opportunities to take on different roles while I was here. So I, I did, you mentioned I worked with recruitment. I worked with, um, we had a business partner group. And so I've done a myriad of different roles in human resources uh, right here at Dartmouth-Hitchcock. Dartmouth-Hitchcock is unique. Um, it's, it, it's unique to, um, not unique in that, you know, large organizations in HR often have specialized functions versus there are other organizations, human resources does everything. It's more of a generalist model or their HR specialist does all aspects of HR, whether that be benefits or compensation or employee relations. Here at DH, we're very specialized. So when I started to be a leader of these different groups, they were different departments with different needs. And we're really, we started to pull together, how do we work as a, a team to demonstrate one human resource function to mm-hmm. the organization, even though we're seven departments, for example, okay. um, that we're made up of. So you were in that role as director for about five years, then promoted to vice president of Total Rewards in 2014. What is, what is Total Rewards? I know it's fancy, that fancy human great. resources yeah. language. Yeah. So Total Rewards essentially chan- translates to uh, benefits, salary and compensation. Okay. And then we have a group that's, uh, we, called, we call human resources information systems. And what they do is they manage the technology in which we deliver our benefit programs, our compensation programs, our performance appraisal process that happens. And so those three departments really make up total rewards. And the concept behind that, some organizations actually have wellness, they may have other Mm -hmm. um, departments that are a part of that, but really what is is trying to be conveyed there is that when, as an employee, you take advantage of many different rewards or the organization is providing that to you, this is bringing together in a total package. So when you're looking at your compensation, let's also take a look at what your employer is offering you from a benefits perspective, a time off perspective. You know, do I have a retirement account? Am I eligible for a disability if I were to get hurt? You know, what are the different rewards, if you will, or perks to working at the organization? And combining that with compensation gives you that total picture. Yeah. And so you work to explain that to an employee when bringing them on, or how does how does that discussion happen? How does how does your organization get involved with that? We do so um, when someone is hired, we talk about the total package in terms of compensation and the benefits that are offered. We also, when employees come on board with us, we have what's called a total reward statement that shows with real dollars what. People are getting paid, but then also what is Dartmouth-Hitchcock contributing toward your health insurance? What is Dartmouth-Hitchcock contributing toward your retirement? And you can see it, if you were to imagine sort of a pie graph, this is the total amount that the organization is providing you, um, really in exchange for services that you're providing the organization. So how does the, how does the organization support you as an employee to be your very best? 
And so we provide a statement that, that helps that many organizations do now as they're trying to explain what does that package actually equate to um, because it is multifaceted. Yeah. How has that evolved over time? So as a strategy, has total rewards evolved in the time you've been working in it? Absolutely. I think that human resources has evolved mm. even in the time I've been in it, but just over the past 20, 30 years where we've looked at human resources as a sort of traditional personnel management function to more of a strategic partner that has a rewards program, that has a learning and leadership development program that allows you to advance in your career, that has programs that support how do we engage employees in a different way. So that strategic shift has changed some of the language that HR professionals now use when they're describing, whether it be the department, as you suggested, or the services that are provided, trying to look at it more holistically than, you know, we manage policies and compliance and those other aspects that oftentimes HR is known for. Right. And so we're really trying to shift the profession, but then we shift our language so that it means something to employees as well. Like the history of the of the department was like was once upon a time it was personnel, right? And and that was right. a very tactical kind of like we're gonna make sure you get paid, we're gonna hire you, we're gonna, but a very kind of um, kind of a lower level functional focus. And then I kind of it has evolved to human resources, and now I hear a lot of talent management or right some or that framing. Do you kind of use that language as well? We do. Yeah, if you think about it as from a spectrum, from the more sort of transactional, like we'll process your benefits, Mm -hmm. pay your paycheck, you know, make sure that you get a performance appraisal every year, those sort of functions to, you know, how do we develop and um, have offerings for learning and growth and have a more strategic aspect to HR that's a partner to the business. So as the business has strategic goals, how is HR engaging people to move forward with those business goals, but then also um, being a strategic partner in helping um, grow the organization to be a high-functioning organization. So you were in the role of Vice President for Total Rewards up till 2017 when you were promoted to Chief Human Resource Officer for Dartmouth-Hitchcock. Now, is that a is that role a system level role, or is that just the um, as we were talking about Dartmouth Hitchcock, the facility as opposed to the system, or is it kind of a blended role? It is. Uh, I would say it's both. Okay. So right now I'm wearing two hats: the chief HR officer for Dartmouth Hitchcock, and also for the system. Each organization within our within our system has a leader of human resources. And actually, before this discussion, I was coming from a meeting where we get together and we talk about what's the strategy, where are we going. Workforce is a big topic of discussion at the time. So we we come together and we collaborate on system goals and where we're taking. There are a lot of organizations in which we're integrating with. So we may be providing some of the services like benefits management, for example, more centrally now. And so those are the, the, that's the work that we do. So to directly answer your question, it's, it's a dual role. Okay. So that's an interesting point. Uh, so it's a large system, maybe getting larger with, uh, there's, there's mergers kind of underway. Is that one of the, is one of the benefits of 
being a system that you can centralize certain functions to to reduce maybe reduce the duplication of effort in other places? Yes. So um, we do examine ways that we can leverage the benefits of the system and provide a service in a more efficient way, to your point, um, reducing duplication, increasing standardization of certain aspects of what we do, and leveraging the technology and people that we have within the system to perform those functions. Well, what, so what kind of, uh, of, of things are you looking to, what kind of functions would you be looking to centralize and be able to take advantages of that scale? So we actually, we use the term integration okay. here. So we, we have integrated for some of our system members the uh, management of benefits, for example. So we do have a technology platform that we provide that allows people to enroll in their benefits online. We've also done that for payroll. So I would say back to the conversation we had about the relationship on those transactional services, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of the integration in HR is how do we leverage economies of scale on those services and technology and systems um, across our groups. Um, On the strategic side, we have launched an integrated employee engagement survey. So as from a Dartmouth-Hitchcock health perspective, we look at ourselves as one collective group of organizations that um, how do we become an employer of choice for our region? And so employee engagement in our work environment and how do we increase um, our experience as employees as much as we're doing for our patients already in terms of the patient experience we've launched an engagement process across our system. So there are certain services that may not be on that transactional spectrum that we are integrating. Another one is we have a Dartmouth-Hitchcock Health learning program for our leadership to say, you know, how do I come within the system if I'm hired in new or maybe promoted from within? How do I get more awareness of myself so I can be better about leading my teams. How do I lead an effective team or build an effective team? How do I work within uh, multiple departments? How do I work within the system? And helping our leaders to navigate what can be a complex system, but then also giving them some of the leadership skills and competencies that we're looking for within a Dartmouth-Hitchcock health leader to be effective in our healthcare organization. I made a point earlier in terms of you know my career and people that I've hired. Some people don't have healthcare experience, mm. and so understanding the nomenclature, understanding the cultural aspects of that is important. And we do that training in our leadership development program. Oh, neat! So if someone's coming from the outside that has skills that you need, but they don't have experience in the industry, you give them a little orientation or some sort of orientation to the the culture and the. We do. We do. And a lot of that, I would say, the best learning is in your department, right? And with your leadership there and with your colleagues. And I always encourage people to find a mentor. It doesn't necessarily have to be your leader. It can be someone that's outside of your department um, or someone that you've just maybe been referred to to help you navigate that. But we do talk about in our programs what it means to be a quality organization, a high reliability organization, and that links to patient care, but then also how we function and and, uh, connect with each other toward that. So you were talking about uh, uh, learning and development, leadership development. So this would be things like first-time supervisor training, perhaps? It is. And beyond that as well, or? 
So we have what I just described was is your first time supervisor training mm -hmm. that we actually just launched. And this is um, the system wide training that we just launched and did a pilot of and will launch more formally next year. We also have sort of say a mid level, if you will, um, the next sort of step up leadership training. That's a 10 month program oh, wow. that is a development program that we've partnered with one of our trustees on to really develop the next generation of leaders that we see potential in. Those leaders come in as teams, and so they're working in a cohort model over the 10-month period, and then after the 10 months is over, they're producing and presenting a capstone project of something they've chosen to work on in their department or some, something that they wanted to change to benefit the health system they present to us and, and it's a really great event because we we bring some of our trustees in and some of our key leaders and we're just in awe at what they've learned and the growth that they've had over the 10 month period with mm -hmm. all the skills they've developed to really apply it back into their departments. That sounds like a great program. How much do you, again, going to that system concept, how much is, how much are you trying to standardize benefits and compensation across the system? And how much is customized, customized, how much is unique to the market? Yeah, it's interesting because it's something we're consistently evaluating is what do, what can we or should we be standardizing versus what's germane to whether it be that location or a particular culture um, in terms of the offerings. There are some things that we have been more consistent with, offering similar programs, not exactly the same, but health insurance is one of those where we have very similar programs across our system that are being offered. There are some other programs that we're perhaps looking to do into the future and evaluating right now. So we, we're evaluating what the strategy looks like. One of the things that we have to keep in mind is we do have people that, and, and this is a benefit of working within a system, is you can work in many different environments. And so we're trying to make that a smoother transition as people may want to work in a particular location and go to a different environment and not have a, a large change for them in terms of some of those offerings. We haven't, so we've talked kind of about workforce and talent acquisition benefits. What about employee relations? What is employee relations and why is it important? Yeah, so employee relations, um, I've always described it as sort of the, the stewards of the health, safety, and well-being of the organization. And that's both for employees and for leaders. That team fields a lot of questions. It uh, fields many different questions, maybe not necessarily in that particular domain. People call them about how, how do I navigate this particular life event I'm going through? I'm having a conflict in my environment. This event happened. I don't know how to handle this event. So they're really the sort of advisor to employees and leaders about how to navigate situations. And some of those situations are interpersonal and some of them are environmental and some of them are maybe just how do I take care of myself and take care of my, my work um, at the same time and helping people navigate those, those situations. What makes a good HR partner in employee relations, in the employee relations role? I would say a a very strong listener, someone who's attentive to really what the needs of the individual are and what the needs of the organization are. The employee relations also sort of manages the guidelines for which we work. So think about some of our policies and procedures that help to maintain that 
health, safety, and, and well-being of the organization. They're stewards of that, so someone who has a clear understanding of what that looks like and is a fair adjudicator to some navigating some of these complex work issues um, or interpersonal issues that come up. How big is your team? So we have um, slightly actually over 100 um, human resource professionals system-wide. Okay. And how many employees system-wide so we get a sense of what you're supporting? So we, that's a great question. So we're almost 14,000 strong. Wow. So only 100 people to support 14,000. That's a lot. Absolutely. That's a big organization. So you mentioned a minute ago, we've been talking kind of back and forth about the, the kind of specific functions, but also the fact that this is, in fact, a, a system. Uh, and you mentioned culture a minute ago. Mm -hmm. I'm curious your thoughts on, because this is, again, this is a system, it has, over time, has integrated other organizations. How does culture work in a system? And how unique are the cultures of the different component organizations? And what's your role in HR in terms of kind of maintaining, nurturing, and kind of developing the culture that is desired? That's a lot of, bunch of different things. But. Yeah, no, I think that that is a great question because... We are a system that's made up of many different organizations and has many different departments within those organizations of which the culture can be different. And so um, one of the things that we have found that sort of rings true in every organization is that people who come and work in healthcare have a particular mindset to work for a mission-driven organization that helps people. And so I would say that we are a community and family-based culture that is germane to virtually any location that we're working within. Um, our teams are very collaborative. They want to work together. They want to do what's right for the patient or for the service um, that we're delivering. But there may be certain aspects to a particular location that's very unique to how they approach that or to maybe some traditions that have been within that organization that are maintained. So one of the things that we have kept more localized is the way that employees are recognized, for example. So okay. when we think of some of these larger programs that we offer that span across many locations, employee recognition is one that we've said is more germane to that culture and how people want to be recognized both by employees, but also how you might want your leader to recognize you. And so those programs are more localized programs because we want to maintain that piece. Again, we're an evolving health system, so who knows how we will integrate some of that. But I would say that, you know, people have, take a lot of pride for the organization that they work in and take a lot of pride for the health system that they're working in. And I think some of the values of the health system, as well as each organization espouse, are the same. But the way that we approach our work may be a little bit different by location. What initiatives are you most excited about? You're doing either at the system level or locally here at the medical center. Yeah, I would say the ones that I'm most excited about are addressing the workforce challenges that we have in our state. I know you mentioned that. That is something that we're really excited about is how do we become more efficient as a health system? How do we attract and retain the best talent to our system and become an employer of choice? We have a lot of programs and services that we're delivering right now that are all contributing toward that. It's a major component of our strategic plan that we just launched as a Dartmouth-Hitchcock Health System. 
and something that we're working collectively around each organization on. So that I would say is probably the initiative that I'm most excited about. The other is our emerging uh, development programs. So the leadership development program I mentioned, the one that we had the pilot on, and we'll expand that. And I think all of these components contribute to employee engagement and employee experience. And so I see that as sort of an outcome, if you will, Mm. of the programs that we're delivering. Greater engagement. Greater engagement, absolutely. Um, and so I'm excited to see how that will that will come to fruition. So you've mentioned engagement a couple of times. That's a word that you hear, you know, in, in leadership a yeah. lot these days. You know, what does that mean when when HR is talking about employee engagement um, or we're surveying for employee engagement? What are we asking about? What does it mean? Why do we care? Yeah, that is a great question because employee engagement is not just a survey. I mean, I think a lot of times we hear it in the context of this is our engagement, this is our survey we did, this is how we scored on that. Right. I, th- I When I think of engagement, I think of it more as a feeling. It's a part of how an employee feels when they come to work. How does their work environment, how, um, are, how engaged are they with their leadership, with their colleagues? Are people willing to go above and beyond for the organization? Are there barriers or are they removed to actually doing work? And so the survey itself is one way we can test for those things. Right. Yeah. Obviously, engagement the, is not the survey. Right. It's, it's, it's a, that's a tool to try to measure it. Exactly. But yeah. I, I see it as um, to what degree are your uh, work, is your workforce willing to go above and beyond? Yeah. How engaged are they in the work? Yeah. So versus satisfaction. So we used to okay. we used to look at employee satisfaction. Uh-huh. Um, how satisfied are you? I think what engagement does is sort of flips the conversation to say, you know, how do you contribute and how does the organization contribute to making this the best place it can be to work? Yeah. You. I mean, I think every organization hopes to get that discretionary effort, right? To, That's right. to the above and the beyond that you were talking about. Like, I can come to work and I can punch my clock. You know, punch punch in, kind of muddle through the day and then punch out and go home and and forget about work. But we're after something more than that. That's right. right. Absolutely. I think you described it actually very well, is the discretionary effort, the willingness to go above and beyond, to problem solve, you know, to to help the work environment be the best it can be. Yeah. I mean, I think most people come to work and they want to make a difference, especially in healthcare, right? So so you said taking away barriers and Get, how, how can we get the organization out of the way? Is that kind of what we're after? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's both what's the organization doing to create and foster a healthy work environment, and it's employees thinking about how can I contribute to that in a yeah. way that's very meaningful. We had your CEO, Dr. Conroy, out to UNH uh, two years ago, and we talked a little, and, and she was on a uh, women in leadership panel. And one of the themes, of course, that we talked about was diversity and inclusion. Yes. So that's a, a thing that we that you worry about in HR. Talk talk a little bit about what do those phrases mean? Because they, they mean different things. I, mm-hmm. At least that's how I, I see them as somewhat different. How, how, how are you working with issues around diversity and inclusion here, uh, here at the medical center and then system-wide? Yeah, so we actually, um, we had that discussion just today about uh, what does it mean to be an inclusive environment? Mm-hmm. And... I sort of believe that if you create a sense of belonging and people feel trust and that they are included 
in decisions and as well as uh, participating in where we're going as an organization, that diversity will come. Um, because what people will see that as a place that they would want to work, that they feel that they can belong and they can make a positive contribution. And so we are, I would say, at a tipping point within the organization to reevaluating what we're doing in this space. So we have a, a group of individuals that comes together and talks about you know, what are some of the things that we can be doing. There's also a connectivity with our communities. And some of our organizations across our system have real efforts right now to sort of test for what are some of the programs that we're doing and, and how are we marketing and how are we branding ourselves to really get that point across that this is a place where people can really come and thrive. How do, how do you create an organization and how do you, in your role in human resources, how do you help the managers and, and, and the teams actually you know, doing the work in the organization, how do you help them become more inclusive? So I think it's, um, it's a combination of helping leaders and individuals see within themselves what some of their maybe implicit bias is or are, um, how the language that we use when we're talking with each other, um, to be sensitive to different um, opinions and types of individuals, and being open to hearing different perspectives. We, as a part of our development program, we talk about that. How do we create sort of an environment where people feel included and are respected and are celebrated for their differences? Aside from some of the other aspects that I would say are in the HR realm around, um, you know, just maintaining a healthy work environment. But, the, but it is something that we are seriously looking at. And how do we enhance the programs that we have in this space? And I think there's a heightened awareness of it in healthcare and as well as under other industries with looking at what is opportunities for advancement for people and how people are able to navigate that and how the leadership can support that um, within the organization. When I interview healthcare executives, one of, the, one of the leadership questions I like to ask is, what's a leadership lesson that you learned the hard way? And I would say of the you know, 60 or 70 leaders that I've talked to now, one of the most common responses is that they hired the wrong person for whatever reason. They, they rushed into hiring. It's usually because they're being rushed into a hiring decision uh, or they, they feel, okay, the budget's not going to be, if you don't make the hire this, you know, within the next month, you're not going to have the budget again or something like that. And the second, probably the second most common is they wait too long to fire someone. So it's the hiring and firing, uh, which are clearly in the HR realm. How do you help managers avoid the first, the hiring the wrong person? And then, and then how do you help them making the hard decision that maybe this person that we did bring on board isn't the right fit for the organization? Yeah, so that's a great question. Well, we, in, in terms of our talent acquisition department, we have several recruiters and leaders that are helping our leaders and manager, hiring managers become very astute at what is it that they're looking for. We conduct behavioral-based interviews to get a feel for not only what are some of the technical skills that we're looking for, but what are the behavioral expectations and fit questions to really test for how people problem solve, how they approach certain situations, what are their values, how do they approach their work. So that um, ideally through the, that questioning, both 
Can they do the job? What are their job competencies? And do they have the behaviors that we're looking for? The fit comes together with that. Now, certainly there are times when that doesn't all match up and somebody comes and that may not be the right fit for the organization. And we work with our leaders to really test for that and make sure they're making the right decision if they choose that this person is not going to work out. Um, but we really try hard and I think our leaders try to do a, a good job with testing for both of those aspects so that when people enter the work environment, and we also go through multiple interviews for roles as well, that they're entering the environment and we know, we know their qualifications as well as um, how they'll, they'll work with us. So last question. As I've mentioned, I teach undergrads who are interested in going into, into healthcare management. Why should they consider going into human resources as their field? Well, I think, uh, you know, I have a little bias with human resources, but I would say that HR is a professional field that you can get into that has many different um, aspects to it. So there are many different um, roles that you can play in supporting people to be their very best, whether that be helping to recruit people into the organization, supporting and advising people while they're here, developing them. So a career in human resources gives many different options. Um, to support the organization and its mission. Great. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. You've been listening to the Health Leader Forge, a joint production of the College of Health and Human Services at the University of New Hampshire and the Northern New England Association of Healthcare Executives. Please go to our website, healthleaderforge.org, for more information or to leave comments about today's podcast. Look for Health Leader Forge podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and other podcast distribution sites. Thanks for being a part of the Health Leader Forge community, and we'll talk with you again soon.